All right, what's up, y'all? It's Will here with ScheduleFly, and this is a uh, a phone podcast. I'm speaking with Joanna York today. She's up in Syracuse, and uh, she's got a really, really cool story. She's been at this game for a while, and she's got two restaurants, Alto Cinco and Otro Cinco. Um, Alto Cinco was just a takeout place back in 95, and then they were able to get into a dining room in 99, and... Uh, and they've grown since then, moved locations in 2014, and opened Otro Cinco in 2013. And so it's just been, you know, incremental, ongoing, steady growth and uh, success. And lots of stories, I'm sure, from, from uh, Joanna and her team. So, uh, Joanna, thanks a ton for taking the time to do this. Thank you. So, well, man, okay, so you've been basically in the business for almost 25 years now uh, probably prior to that i'm sure but what how did you what prompted you to start um alto cinco in 95 just as a takeout place there um i had graduated from college a few years before that and i started working in some restaurants and i really enjoyed it it wasn't really what i planned on doing my undergrad degree was in anthropology but through some restaurant gigs, I realized I really liked it. So I had visited my brother who was living in Manhattan and we went to a couple kind of cool little takeout Mexican restaurants and I fell in love with that kind of food. Um, It felt really healthy and kind of hearty and like nourishing. Mm. And from the to-go aspect, I really liked that we could get food to go and feel good after we ate it, which for me was um, a little bit different from normally eating like pizza or Chinese, which are both great, but I don't know. I didn't feel too great after I would eat like that. So um, something about some of those um, little takeout dishes I tried um, just really appealed to me. So shortly after I spent a little time in Miami, um, I was living with my sister and I started experimenting more with some different ingredients and um, trying to cook some of that food more myself. And when I came back to Syracuse, um, I saw this little spot for rent. Um, I was chefing, I was cooking at another restaurant in Syracuse. Um, and I saw this takeout place and every day when I would come home, I would watch it. Um, and I thought about it for probably like a year. I I just kept staring at the space. And then one day there was a sign that it was up for rent and it sort of came together. Um, it was not that difficult because it was just a little takeout shop and, um, would have been there prior. It was um, a pizza to-go shop, um, and it was like within walking distance from where I was living, and um, with a lot of help from people, like my dad found an old stove, Um, my brother lent me some money, Um, I just sort of rigged it up, and within a couple months, I was open, and I had a pretty straightforward, simple menu. but I knew that there was something about it that felt really right to me, even though there was some, you know, the the chaos of getting a place together and trying to figure everything out. But 
just at the end of every day, I just sort of had this like cementing feeling that I was doing something right with myself, like the wandering and what I was going to do was just over. So that was kind of cool for me. That was like a relief. So maybe it could, it helped me to be able to take all the challenges of figuring out how to operate and be an employer. Um, I was 28 and most people I knew then were getting married and having kids, which actually seemed even scarier to me. So <laughs> I guess I was, I just felt like I had something that, um, I felt like I could continue to do, and I guess here I am still what doing did you, it. Did you have um, entrepreneurial drive in you from a young age? Is that part of your yeah. family? Yeah, I did. Yeah, my dad is an entrepreneur, and um, since I was a little kid, I was always uh, setting up shop in my house, selling things or having little stores in the basement for wrapping Christmas presents and things like that. I was really into it. And um, I'm sure a lot of kids have these stories, but you know, the easy bake oven and the whole thing, I was just like, always wanted to make stuff. So that um, when I had the chance to finally do it myself, it really um, just felt natural because I had some, I had probably like three or four years working in restaurants before it. So I kind of knew the daily operation had you been yeah. you mentioned that you had been you had been cooking when you started mm -hmm. were yeah. you had you worked in the front of the house too or no, no not at all no absolutely not i was only in the kitchen and okay. i was kind of terrified of that um it was easy to do the counter in my little takeout yeah um, that was that was pretty easy but when we moved into the other side um although it was super exciting I was thrilled to have the chance because through the years of operating in the takeout, we would always, um, you know, point to the wall and say, like, one day we're going to be able the, – the dream was, like, we're going to break through the wall and we're going to get a frozen margarita machine, which we finally broke through the wall. I never got a frozen margarita, margarita machine, but we um, – w that was always this direction everyone would point to because um, with a lot of luck and – definitely hard work we were we would start to have little lines out the door so i knew it couldn't probably go like that forever because people wanted to sit down um my dad helped me build these two counters so we had a couple stools um and then when it was warm out we put a table outside and you know sure enough people just wanted to hang out there so when i finally opened into the bar um when we expanded in uh, 2000, we had a small bar and seven tables. And I had to kind of come out of the kitchen to do that um, and learn about wine and service. Um, and it took me a while to kind of overcome my own uh, shyness. Mm. I'm, I'm um, very, very shy at times, like painfully shy, but... I can figure stuff out. It just sometimes it takes me a minute, but um, I had some really good help. And, you know, it took some years to kind of put a protocol together of how to do all the things. Like everyone figures it out, but it was a little difficult for me just because I didn't have that in my backdrop. I didn't have that training. So when you, okay, so next door, you had the seven tables. What was there prior? 
a frame studio. Okay, so it it left mm-hmm. whatever you got this, so you expand into there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, did you? Well, then that's a big leap, right? So you've you've gone yeah. from this takeout place and you're cooking, and now you've got to. I mean, engaging customers like that and learning the front of the house and learning the management and the systems and the interaction with customers and you know the the meaning of hospitality is a uh, yeah. steep learning yeah. curve. Yeah, that was um, something that took me some practice because uh, I think we all have a natural style of how we deal with um, people. And I had a style of learning how to deal with purveyors and employees and certainly lots of customers over those five years leading up to that. But I didn't know how to do table side. I didn't know all that stuff. And a very really good friend of mine named Kim came she kind of dropped her life for a couple months and she came and lived with me and helped um set up the really the more for, yeah like the, the more formal set yeah yeah she's a great person what's her and name she, Kim Kim yep Kim Christensen and she helped me because she had some uh, wait to, waitressing experience all through college and stuff. So she kind of came in and just set up shop with like a more formal, like, this is how you have to do this. This is how the silverware has to go. This is, you know, she had all of that behind her. So she really helped us glue it together. And Dang, um, that's awesome. Kim Christensen, yeah, you're a badass. What a great <laughs> friend. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things. Yeah. It's like the little yeah. things sometimes that make the biggest difference. That's, that, you know, that's a huge lift. Game changer. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Game changer. So um, I guess uh, I started to mold after few a few more of these trips to New York City and going out to different restaurants and learning um, how I liked to be served mm. um, from a different style of when people were more down to earth, but had the proper, um, uh, their, their own handset of speaking to you and their, how they could manipulate the table so that at the end of your experience, you felt like you were waited on, but not, um, I don't know, not uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. You need to have that personable approach, but still be professional and it's yeah. a, that find that balance so that, yeah, I, I got you with you. I definitely learned that from um, other people watching how they they did it. What were some of the things that you saw maybe in New York that you? I mean, sometimes we learn from what we like, and sometimes we learn from what we don't like. I'm curious True. about some of those. Yeah. So I think um, some of the formal touches of dining out. Um, the, I, I love proper things and I love all of the, the little accoutrements of, of dining out. Um, I think trying to implement that into this sort of neighborhood, I would say kind of like a, we're like a, I always say like a little Mexican restaurant and a little bit of everything else. So trying to figure out what would work for our place and our people um we have a really eclectic neighborhood it's full of um all different kinds of people and university um professors and their families and just a lot of blue collar people it's kind of an already 
sort of community. So it's kind of like anything goes um, in our area. It's called Westcott <laughs> Nation, which is kind of funny. But if you ever take a trip and see it, it it'll make sense. But um, working with people after a couple years and realizing the the style of serving people that knew the difference between good service and setting it up to where, like I said, I guess people want to be comfortable, but they want to feel like they're, they're being served properly. So it took a while because a lot of my staff, you know, they're young and didn't have that. Some of them um, didn't have that exposure. So trying to bring that up a notch took lots and lots of training. And um, sometimes I would take a handful of people and we would go to New York city just because I wanted them to see the style of how mm, you can yeah. do things properly, but it's, but it, it's not really formal feeling. Right. Yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of a you know a bit of an art, I guess. Um, yeah. Do you, okay, so when you went from uh, when you when you went in next door in two thousand, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. how much did you have to increase your staff size? Um. Geez, we probably doubled it. Okay. Yeah, and then we slowly took a couple more years, but then we started opening um, or staying open later. So we would go from closing at 11 until 2. So then we had this late-night crowd, and then we started having more bartenders. And you, are you uh, near – I don't know. I've never been to Syracuse, so I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know the – Yep area are you near the university yes like walking yep. distance or yep okay yep. is is that a how much of your customer base is from the university boy i i'm gonna just throw out i'd guess maybe 50 percent, maybe okay more what yeah. happens in the summertime um things slow down yeah. but it's not um we also have the bonus of putting all of um, extra tables outside and then everyone likes to eat outside. Uh, so, yeah. okay. you know, we might lose out a little in the takeout area when people leave, you know, so we do a tremendous delivery every night. And then when the students leave that slows down, but then a lot of people like to come out and just sit outside. Oh, you so we do have like eight tables outside. You do delivery. Yes. Do you use a, a an outside provider, or is that y'all something y'all do, or we do it ourselves? You do it yourselves, okay? Yeah, I never use that those services. We just do it in house. We have a um, number of vehicles that are logoed, yeah. And I felt like the advertising on the vans um, does more for us, so it worked out. Yeah, that's good. You can control the process too, and the interaction with it. Yeah, and you've yeah. got the con- the personal connection with the customer who's not there. Yeah, I, I like it better. Yeah. I I haven't um, I've had some interviews with some of those services, but it's just too much. Um, they take too much. Yeah. Well, uh, you know the 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 challenge with stuff like that. It, it sounds great in concept, but at the end of the day, it's. Um, the question is, are they there to truly, is the primary objective of that business to benefit you and your customers, or is it to grow their business uh, yeah. so that they can get a good return for their investors? And I would argue that, you know, in most of those cases, it's it's the latter. I mean, the, yeah, you know, that's I just, agree. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not bashing that, 
But I am saying that when you're a heavily funded business and the objective is to go public or, you know, whatever, your, your, your objective is to generate you know, generate a profit and generate, well, not a profit actually, <laughs> but generate an investment return for your investors. It's not right. necessarily how do we really help uh, Johanna, Johanna and her team um, become more successful at providing great hospitality, even though it's, you know, not there at the restaurant to their, to their guests. And that's what you can do. Um, by that's what we team. try to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We try to make that better. Yeah. I have a really, you know, I mean, this is going to sound kind of funny coming from somebody who's a you know partner in a software business for restaurants, but we believe that, you know, there's an, there's a balance between having enough technology and things that, you know, kind of, uh, make things go a little smoother and save you time which we think we do, but part of the reason we don't continue constantly to add to our technology is I think that the more technology you have and the more these things get all tied together and everything becomes this, you know, this technology helps you, this technology helps you, this te- you're spending all this money on technology. And the end of the day, the uh, particularly for the independent restaurant, the human-to-human interaction is, that's the key. Um, yeah, I agree. It's, you yes. can have a great social, you know, like we were just talking about Brett Oliverio at Sup Dogs before we got on here. And they have a, you know, there's two restaurants. They have like 30,000 uh, Instagram followers. But I can tell you firsthand from, from experience, from vi- being at both of them, that, that um, that's great. But w- what really matters is the people that are there, you know, the, the, the interaction you have with the people uh, yeah. in the yep. atmosphere they create. That's that is what makes the difference, particularly uh, with independent restaurants where people are so engaged with so much technology now that it's nice to go to somewhere where you can interact with people. Yeah, I think when there's something personal, it's more lasting. For sure. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're able to, you know, people connect more with that. They connect more with people than they do with any kind of um, technology. So, I think that's uh, I love that y'all are doing that. So, okay. So then you went and now when you say you doubled in staff, I know, I mean, you, I know not an exact number, but I'm curious roughly how much staff did you have when you had your takeout and then what did you go to? With yeah, probably, we probably had somewhere like maybe like 14 people. And then, you know, when we expanded, we probably went into like maybe, you know, 25, 26 people or so. Okay. Um, now we have, I think, 67 people at at Alto. Yeah, and about the same at, at Ocho, yeah. right? Okay, so now um, you... A yes. little less at Ocho, a little less, but yeah, pretty, uh, maybe in, maybe like 50-something, 50 54. So Ocho. you've got nearly 120 staff now. You went from <laughs> yeah, yeah. 14 and shy and back of the house, and now you're running two businesses and, and, uh, managing a lot of people, which by the way, that's, that's another part. It's, it, it's one thing you, you have to engage the guests, um, and overcome that natural shyness to interact with them. But then I would think the same goes with, um, in a different way, but you know, with just effectively communicating with and getting a team on board with your vision, you've had to learn that as well, right? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think I've, I've stopped learning it. It's just an everyday thing. Yeah. Um, we have, I've been really lucky to say that I've had staff that's been with me for over 20 years. So they also retain like kind of organically part of that culture that we all started and kind of grew together with. Hmm. So it's not just, you know, it's not just me that's witnessed all this, Yeah. you know, so I have some people that when I'm not around or, you know, they, they can, I hope even through like osmosis, people can pick up or translate on like what we're, what we're really, you know, working for, which is, I think just the trying to have a positive effect on feeding people and Mm. everything that it entails, like their safety, their feeling, their health, um, and fun. You know, when people go out, they, they want to have some fun or be transported for an hour and trying to do that. Um, I'd say is a little bit harder these days than it was, you know, say 10 years ago because of everyone's on their devices Mm. and some people, you know, pony up at the bar or their table with it. So it's, it's hard to engage with that, but whatever. I don't know. That's how it is right now. But, um, you know, a lot of people I bartended, um, at my place for about 13 years and the people I met and just sharing stories, um, also again, cause we're in a university town, there's people from all over the world that kind of come in and out of here and just some of the, just such cool stories and sharing, uh, a bit of time with somebody from one side of the bar to the other has uh, been a, a big uh, part of my adult life. Like just learning to listen to people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting. I, it has been a shift and people are on their devices a lot and they roll up and they're locked and loaded on that the whole time. Yeah. I, when they play <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think though, I wonder though if that's a, uh, the pendulum went really far. I wonder if it's it won't start heading back in the other direction a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it myself will. I think it will. So, Your I, brain is tired. Yeah, it wears you out, and you just get tired of it sometimes. You just want, yeah. you know, sometimes I like it. Yeah. I just want to throw my phone in a drawer sometimes and just yeah. pretend it doesn't yep. exist for a few hours. Yeah, and just I talk think to you're people. right. A lot of people feel like that. I think you're right. It's an interesting time because, like, my kids are um, 15 12 and 10 and so they're you know they're the first generation like yeah like they don't even know what it was like without that stuff yeah and yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see what this generation does like do they by some you know natural human predisposition eventually feel the same or is it those of us that lived without it and now live with it that you know crave more the what we got without it sometimes i don't know I'm, I'm fascinated by it but i do feel like that um i do feel like there's some instinct we have that we just want to we, we want community and we want connection yeah and yep. there's really not many places it's why i really believe so much that independent restaurants are such a big valuable asset in their communities because particularly independence i say because um yeah, you people want to connect with something that has a story. They want to connect with something that seems real and authentic, and that's, yeah. that's there yeah. for the community. That has a, as you said, it, whether they pick it up through 
you he, hearing you talk about it, or your staff, or is just osmosis. They they sense that you know there's something true and authentic and real here. Um, and by the way, you said the same thing that every great restaurant owner I interview says, which is, "Boy, I've been lucky to have people with me so long." And I always go, "Bullshit! <laughs> it's not luck. It's humble." And I I hear you, and I, that's the way to approach it. But they've been with you for 20 years because you're a genuine person because you're caring and authentic and they clearly you know they look to you as somebody that they admire and respect nobody works for anybody for 20 years just you know you didn't get lucky uh you're doing a lot of things (laughs) really well clearly so I, i just wanted to make sure to point that out um and i'm sure they would they would you know they would agree with that but you know one thing i wonder about you mentioned you know people that are on your team you know having all the necessary ingredients for balance in life. And, you know, um, I'm curious, one of the things I see now is a lot more focus in the hospitality space on uh, mental health. And I see Mm -hmm. more of a focus Mm -hmm. on, there's a big movement for sobriety now. Um, And I'm just curious if you're seeing that and what your thoughts are. Yeah, so that's a that's an interesting thing to bring up. So I'm glad you did because it's something that I feel like, um, particularly at this time, it's one of the biggest challenges um, I've been having lately is learning how to um, draw the line with behavior and yeah. employees that you can, I mean, by this point, I can kind of see it from a mile away when Mm. it's going to go down. And it's usually this patternized, like some form of abusing some substance and then the chaos that ensues and the stories and the drama and the whole thing. So you finally have to let the person go. And instead I've been wondering like, is there approach that, is there some approach that I can take as an employer to help it not end that way? and to become more engaged with, hey, this is what I see, you know, but I can't control any of it. It's just I'm observing this, and I I'm, I just want you to know that I, I know what's going on, and if you want help, you know, we gotta, we can help you. But it's, it's a hard, it's very slippery to navigate that for me because um, there are some people with their relationships with things that don't, they don't want anybody to be a part of it or to, oh, yeah. boy, sorry, my dog. No, that's um, all right. What kind of dog? You but have? I think <laughs> a lab, but oh. I think what's, um, it's hard to sometimes just know when, to, when to tell a person that they have to maybe take some time away, um, as a preventative or to say, you know, your behavior is unacceptable. That's kind of the approach I have now, but um, it's it's hard. You know, we actually, years ago, was really tragically, we lost an employee mm. um, through some kind of an addiction with pills. And I had a really hard time for a while because I feel like I could have or should have done more. But he kept that pretty private. And then one day it just went too far, and the next day it was over. And going through something like that with the staff um it's just something you never forget and i'm constantly thinking of 
ways to promote wellness and try to create a place where people feel comfortable to go to somebody or talk about it when they feel like something's getting out of control. And with whatever um, is going on in the world today with all the substances and medications that people can get legally or illegally, it just seems like there's times where it's really out of hand. And I don't think it's just the restaurant industry anymore because I think people... Um, always try to label off like, oh, it's just the restaurants. But I mean, I've talked to people in uh, other professional realms and it seems pervasive now. Well, I, I think it is. Um, yeah. And I think that it's it's had its history, certainly in the restaurant space. Um, but, you know, the good thing is uh, there's there's a lot of momentum and a lot of leadership with that topic now in the hospitality world there's have you heard of yeah. ben's friends no check it out ben's friends oh, okay there okay. okay so there's two gentlemen down in charleston south carolina uh steve palmer is one uh, and i cannot remember the other guy's name but they started ben's friends i don't know how many years ago it's growing uh, very quickly they're they're opening chapters all over the country so it's probably worth looking in to see if there may be an opportunity in uh, Syracuse. What they do is they, you know, these guys got tired of losing friends and mm-hmm. employees to overdose mm-hmm. or suicide related yeah. to, yeah, yep. you know, related to addiction. Yeah, and they said, you know what, enough. Like we can't just sit here and say this sucks. We got to do something. So they started. Ben, ben was there. I guess he was the last straw. Their buddy Ben. He took his life, I believe, and they said, that's oh, wow. it. So Ben's Friends is opening chapters all over the place, and um, they're they're doing an amazing thing. They're providing, you know, tools and resources and support for members of the hospitality community that are dealing with addiction, and it's an amazing thing. I'm, I'm super thrilled that they're doing that okay, and that it's cool. gaining I'll a lot of momentum. That. So, yeah, check that out because okay. they've got the, um, you know, they've got the background and the track record of, you know, figuring out what people need and how to help them. And they have leaders mm-hmm. in hospitality in these various communities. They're opening these chapters and okay, it's cool. really cool. That sounds good. Yeah. That sounds great. So while people may say, well, it's a restaurant, whatever, this, this is the yeah. industry that's leading the charge. Quite frankly, I think that, um, you know, restaurants often attract people that have, that do things to the extreme so you know they work hard play hard kind of thing yeah and what's so great about that is it it can go in the wrong direction so uh, you know when you had a lot of restaurant leaders that were out doing a lot of drugs and alcohol yeah to deal with how hard it is to run the business uh and that may have sort of an addictive personality well then they're the people around them follow that. They see that and they follow that. Well, now a lot of folks are saying, you know what, we're leading the charge into sobriety yeah. and yeah. that's yeah. a great thing. And so the restaurant people that may have, you know, been known for that, I believe that this is an industry that's going to be known for doing wonderful, wonderful things in terms of getting people off of addictive substances and promoting yeah. a healthy lifestyle. I, I've noticed some of our um, staff in their 30s, some of them are really going into the sobriety and sharing it with other staff members and it's sort of catching on. And when people realize someone 
is doing that, um, then I think they think of it as, wait, I'm going to try that too, because after some time, it just doesn't feel good anymore. And when it stops being fun, you know, it's time to push away, I think. Well, you, your person that you lost, you know, you say that you lost some yeah. somebody and you, mm-hmm. you know, you wonder if you could have done more. The thing about it is there's, there's nothing you can do until somebody wants to help themselves, but yeah. the more exposure to resources and the more people they see around them, you know, sort of leading the way, that stuff just tends to gain momentum and sort of snowball. So, um, you know, while that may not have been a salvageable situation, there's somebody right now out there or there's somebody that's going to be, you know, a part of your world in a few years that, you know what, they'll, uh, the opposite will happen. And, uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a great thing. Knowing the signs too, you know? Yeah, that's right. The things with the pills, I think why it hides so much is just, there's not, it's really hard. I don't know. I I don't have a lot of experience with that, but I, you know, I don't, um, I don't personally use drugs and I don't know when people are on them. Yeah. So, learning how to tell when someone's been abusing prescription drugs it's pretty it's a pretty you know you you can't smell it you don't see it you don't know do you uh do you look for erratic behavior is that a sign or what are some of the yeah just like when the mood swings so hard and unexplained behavior and then the list of kind of excuses and things it's just when it all stops making sense it's usually because there's something else going on you know well, it really is tough, and it's really unfortunate because it's become so, you know, it's just so easy to get now, and yeah, yeah. Um, it's it is. This, these things yeah. can take over. I mean, they they can. It, it's once you get on that, it's it's extraordinarily hard to get yeah. off. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what what are the other? Do you do you find more people focusing on mental health now? And I ask that. Joanna, because you've been at this for a while, and, you know, back in the 90s and the early 2000s, there wasn't a lot of, you know, mental health was sort of a stigma. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, now yeah. it's become something where I don't think it is, or at least not nearly as much. No. It's much more acceptable yeah. to say, yeah, you know, I have a therapist. or I mean, like, I'll yeah. say, it, like, I have a therapist. You know, I, I've yep. had stuff, I've had issues. I had a downtime earlier this year, and it really s- struggled, and, but yep. it's, it's, uh, we all, every, you know, not we all, many, many people go through that and we got kind of life goes through ebbs and flows and there's times when it gets really challenging. So yeah, I think yeah. that's a good thing that people seem to be a little bit more outspoken about that. I agree for sure. I think even being in a community of people that we've all gone through things and when someone spots it in someone else and you kind of just hold that space for them and be a companion or just try to do things to help that person feel a little better to get through. Um, I think that's something also that's great about being in our business. It's like family after so long. It really is. Yeah. You know? Yep. So it's, it's, it's really, uh, that's a special thing. I feel like. Um, so you, okay. So for a long time, you just, you had Alto Cinco for i mean like mm-hmm. it was almost what 18 years before you opened otro but if, am i getting my my years right that you you opened otro in um, 13 but 13 then you, that's right but yep, then you also right. 
expanded. And then I expanded also in 14. Yeah. That was a pretty fun couple of years. (laughs) Yeah, so um, what had happened was for quite a while, our neighboring spot, which was also a restaurant, um, we were wondering if they they had an opportunity to move across the street um, because of a family-owned spot and we were always wondering if like they were ever gonna you know pull the trigger and move and from time to time I would have conversations with the owner and he you know kind of go back and forth and no I'm not gonna leave and so during some of those years we had great business through the week and the weekends would be even busier and we would watch a lot of people leave because we only had seven tables Mm -hmm. so um, it seemed like we didn't we didn't really have a place for anyone to wait. So when you'd walk into the bar, the seven tables, there was you know there was nowhere to go. So we started sending people across the street to a bar, and we would give them a drink chip and tell them when to come back. So that bar kind of became our waiting area. Oh wow. And we, you know, we try to develop these little schemes of how to like keep people around while they were, you know, while we, while we'd be trying to, you know, turn the table. Right. So, you know, years and years of this. And then finally, it just seemed like we're as a business, we're not, you know, something's wrong. It's great to be busy, but we're actually, you know, visibly losing a lot of people. And then it started to become this reputation of where you can never get a table at that place. Mm. So people, it started to become like there was a drop off. So at this time, uh, this space that's like two, two and a half miles away um, became known to me. And one final more discussion with my neighbor about possibly moving or taking any of the space, and it was it was a firm no. So I got together a little plan and thought, you know what, we'll try moving to this little downtown place, and we'll do a similar but slightly different place. Um, you know, we'll keep some of the theme, but it'll be a place where you know maybe we'll get lucky and some of our people will go down there and and it wasn't a big undertaking because that too was a very small space so I I personally like small spaces I like little places so I just wanted to do something that I could manage myself and personally wait on the tables and just see what would happen it was kind of like an experiment very low cost to get into it Um, prior it was a restaurant so you know already had some grandfathered in things whatever so it took me probably, I don't know, six to eight months to get that place to the day we opened, um, you know, borrowed some money, went all in, did it. And then I think it was a week that I was open and my landlord posted up and said, I got to ask you, do you want the space? And I, I was very confused. I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, they're going to leave. They're going to move across the street. No. And I, 
I was like, oh, God, really? And, I, you know, I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, of course I want it. And he goes, are you sure you can, you know, do this? Because he was waiting for me in the lobby of the, the new restaurant, Otro. And he said, I'm going to make sure I want you to sleep on it and then tell me tomorrow. And it was, it was like just a game changer. I was like, this was, you know, all I wanted because we, we needed more space, you know? So I just thought I was really happy. I remember I sent my dad a text and I was thrilled, you know, that we could have the space. So I just got to work on it after that. And, you know, continued to kind of go between both places. It was, it was, um, it was a very, uh, very hectic time in my life, and uh, it was not, um, it wasn't, it wasn't good for me in certain ways. Um, I, I, I had some uh, health problems that ha- kind of happened from that. I just, um, it just took me a while to kind of rebalance myself. It was mm. just sort of a lot because, uh, sorry, but at the same at the same time, the restaurant Otro Cinco, we were breaking through the wall there too, to a full, uh, huge dining room and bar. So both of these expansions started happening at the exact same oh my time. God. <laughs> yeah, and not making this up, but I got divorced at that time. So oh was, my gosh. Yeah, so it was really, um, it was, you know, a lot of good things came of it, but I feel like in certain ways, like I kind of paid the price. It was a little bit too much and I guess sometimes in business you know you can't you can't plot and plan everything it's just sometimes it happens it falls in your lap and you got to make a decision and that was a decision I made you know in a, in a minute but I knew that that was what um, you know so following back now it's been uh, six years and um, both restaurants are doing pretty well um, there's there's a lot of uh, things that are going in the right direction and I am kind of in a mix a lot of trying to figure out my own balance of I I can't seem to find the balance between both places I'm either like always at one place or always at the other place so I've kind of um, embarked back to Alto lately I'm back there I spent pretty much the five years planted at Otro Um, but now I'm you know, I try to pop around and, you know, know what's going on, know my staff. Um, and it's just continual to create um, new things and projects and try to keep people inspired about the restaurants and their jobs um, and what we can do better, which I like that part of it. Um, but sometimes... It's, uh, for me, it's a lot. <laughs> I know, I know there's people that can maybe manage, you know, three or four places. I don't know. I, I have trouble with two. Well, it seems like, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people say that, you know, the hardest is going from one to two. Um, you know, it's harder to go from one to two than to go from two to three mm-hmm. and so on. Um, but you know, that's a ton to take on. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot all at once. It's, it's enough just to open a second location to, 
do that while then also expanding your, I mean, that, that's a, that's a lot. That's so congrats on, you know, well, thanks. And you, it, it had, I, don't know. You, I guess you, paid, yeah. like you said, you know, it came with yeah. a cost, but, um, but now you're, you've got these two places and you've, you've got a great track record in Syracuse and, um, you'll you know like you said you you know you continue to learn every day what let me ask you this when you opened the second i know the first you said you you got a loan from your brother and and um yep. what about the second did you keep it in the family still or did you have to go to a um, bank or i no, i went to a bank yeah um yeah i got a loan and sba yeah, I paid it off it was no, I just got a regular loan. Okay. Um, but I paid it off, and you know, through by that time, I mean, I had, um, you know, Alto was in business for, I don't know, eighteen years or so. So it was pretty easy to borrow the money. The the yeah. risk part doesn't ever. Uh, I don't know. This is the way I am, but I don't ever think about the money. It's just like, gotta get what I gotta get to do what I gotta do, and I don't yeah. put it out on paper. I don't analyze it. Um, I'm sure my accountant hates me for this because I have made some mistakes. Um, I don't have a lot of, I, I have zero practical business skills in, in that way. Everything I do is kind of from the gut and like what I feel and yeah. it's not always right, but that's kind of how I operate. Um, I don't have any business training, but I've also been lucky to be kind of under the tutelage of a pretty good accountant firm that, um, I work with um, a great person named Gary, and he's helped me so much. Um, and Terry, for years, just helped me learn more about the practical sides of business and um, all the things that you really should know probably before you start a business. Um, I kind of went backwards. Maybe a lot of people are like that, maybe. Um, I, I think um, in my uh experience i just want to say that one of the things that's been the biggest uh learning curve for me is putting all the systems in place <clears throat> because yeah. now that we have um you know these two pretty um thankfully high volume restaurants right um that are open seven days a week um altos open from 10 until 2 every day mm. We close like two days a year. So there's zero downtime, right? So you have these like, you know, it's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like running a hospital. You know, yeah. there's the patients and then there's the business side. Right. I'm here to take care of the patients. I don't know the business side. That's sort of how I like to think of it. Um, but then there's a practical side of like, you know, I got to fly the plane or, drive the bus, whatever. I got to figure right. that out. And there's a part of the tools and the systems that you have to put in place that I've had great help with. Um, people that think on that end, the practical side that have helped me so much because um, it, it makes everything easier from everybody when there's some kind of common law. So it's one of the things I think it's very important about the process of hiring someone and then training them. It's you got to set the expectation, you got to give them the rules, you got to set the boundaries, and you know the rest. You kind of cross your fingers um, and hope that you'll be able to have a relationship because you know at the end of um, 
you know, every year when I go back through the payroll and try to examine who's going to get a raise and what, you know, what's my plans for the end of the year is always a really exciting time for me. Um, it's not the greatest time financially, but it's usually when I think about the, the goals and set some, just a few things, but I try to set some goals for myself and the, you know, the businesses. And through some of these systems that I've had a lot of help with, it really makes managing the places a lot better. Um, and just, I can't say this enough, but I have really great, great staff and managers, people that are so good at what they do. Yeah. And I don't know where they learn it from or how they do it, you know, but I feel really fortunate to have these people a part of our businesses. Well, I'm sure they learn a lot from you and they also, um, you know, I'm sure they're, they're thankful to be a part of your business, particularly when you've got that kind of longevity with a lot of your staff, there's, there's a reason for sure. Uh, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. When you, um, okay, so you got the second place going and yep. you've got a bank loan and you, but mm-hmm. you know, one of the things you said, which I really, I think this is just such a fascinating philosophy, which is you kind of just, you listen to your gut and then you figure it out. Do you, do you think about that a lot? Do you like, do you think about, um, manifesting a vision that, that if you, you know, have something you want to achieve and that you believe that you're going to achieve you, the world will sort of conspire to help you get there. Yeah, I think it's, um, probably like a lot of people that do, um, creative, um, things that there's um it's sort of like it just has to come out of you and it's uh it's maybe like a song to sing or a picture to paint Hmm. there's there's a degree of practicalness that you might need the tools and so forth to do it but when it's in you um for me that's the way that's how this has all happened it's like it's kind of in there and it has to come out and I just scrap away like whatever I got to, you know, figure it out, get this, do that. And I just do that without um, hesitation until the end, until it's open. And I've, um, I feel like uh, I enjoy that process a lot. You know, running it mm-hmm. is, the, is the harder side. That's all about the relationships your purveyors, your staff, your customers. It's building and preserving and trying to, um, you know, continue to, to give and to keep hope, you know, keep hope that you're going to do something so right that they're going to want to come back again. And I, I don't take that for granted or I don't take that lightly. So sure. Um, I think when I did the, uh, the, the second space, um, it was five tables and it was, you know, kind of take out and some of the tables, it was easy. Um, and it was in a location that seemed to offer some growing, uh, population of Syracuse was starting to move downtown again. So that was kind of, it's been cool to be around that, to yeah. watch how, all these uh, different groups of people are moving 
into uh, a city that was kind of a little bit, in my opinion, a little bit sleepy for a while. That part of Syracuse. Yeah. So it's been kind of cool. A lot of renovations and cool apartments going on. It's happening in a lot of towns. Uh, yeah. Like and that. I feel that have been great. around for a while. It's been really cool to be a part of that. Um, tell me about one of the things that's been on my mind, our minds here at Schedule Fly lately is uh, the benefits. Like I hear a lot of people when I do these podcasts, a lot of owners, they're talking about, you know, how do I provide health care to my staff? What are the things I can do? Mm-hmm. You know, because you can, I mean, you, you can give your staff opportunities to grow within your organization. But a lot of times now, just some of these these ancillary benefits are so meaningful and you're starting to see more oh, of that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. tell me about your experience with that. Okay, so I'm glad you asked that too. Um, probably in 2003, um, I got pretty serious about trying to be uh, – a better employer. So I started offering 401k and matching it. And then we got into offering health insurance probably in 2005. Really? So you were, you were way ahead of this. Yeah. I think it really appealed to me that I wanted to make restaurant jobs legitimate and I didn't want people, um, especially like parents to think like their kids were falling out by working in restaurants. I wanted it to be more like, uh, I've been lucky enough to go to Europe a handful of times in my life. And I feel like the service industry there, it's like very professional and respected. Yes. And it's not some kind of like fly by night dropout job. It's like, wow, this is what you've chosen as a career and gladly so. So I feel like I, um, you know, I had much less staff to, to do this for, but it was, um, it was a pretty easy decision to make. And we kind of, uh, you know, a bunch of us just kind of got educated on, I mean, I put a plan in place and then I helped my staff understand what it was about and why it was a good idea. And, you know, a lot of it was like I was proud to be an employer. Yeah. And I wanted people to feel like they could rely on me and feel like they had a safe uh, place. And that healthcare just seems so wrong to me. I mean, it's still, it's just like a mess. But um, we, so we had um, a plan for a while and then. Uh, I paid for part of it. I didn't pay for all of it. And then through the years, um, things changed a bit and uh, some plans that were once affordable and good in New York State became uh, ineligible for me as an employer to offer because of the number of staff that we have. So uh, last year, I kind of got uh, more involved and put a plan in place that I thought was more affordable for everyone, but it, uh, costs a tremendous amount of money. And so as the employer, I pay 50% of it and that's reasonable for people that work full time to be able to afford it. So I'm continually working on trying to find a better plan because it's, uh, you know, at a glance, it's something like around four thousand dollars, 
a person, so I pay two. So I feel like it's, you know, it's it's something. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, yeah, those prices just keep going. They up keep going and, up. It just gets harder yeah. and harder. It's y'all yeah, don't have so, any um you don't have any negotiating power. That's one of the things that right. That's you know what part I mean? Yeah, yeah, you're a small business. Yeah. It really sucks. I mean, yeah. we're in the same boat. It's like if you, yeah. all these big companies get all these purchasing power benefits and uh i feel like there's well more on this i, I want to tell you some things we're thinking about but go, uh go ahead i i, I interrupted uh, no you. that's you know that's that's probably i just i want to get to a place where we can have a plan that's affordable for someone that um you know is making a minimum wage and they they don't have to make a decision if they can pay their rent or have health insurance that's what i feel bad about and you know for whatever it costs me i think between both restaurants it's just a little under maybe like i think it maybe cost me around 75 80,000 dollars a year and when i look at that as a number it's like at first i thought how will i afford this but then when i think about what it does for the people and that they need it it's not you know, people have things that happen and they need to have a benefit. And um, I just want that to get more affordable, not just for me, but, you know, for for everyone that's paying into it. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. Yeah. What about, um, and you also have 401k. Do you find, I mean, mm-hmm. is that something that, uh, who provides that for you, by the way? So I have my payroll done through Paychex, uh-huh. and I broker through a rep that they use. And okay. It's uh, Wells Fargo, I think, is who does it. But the woman that helps us with it, she's great. She's uh, helped so many of our staff sign up and understand the process. Back in the day, I would hold these little meetings yeah. at some like off hour in the bar and try to convince people why they should save money. Like, hey, twenty dollars meets twenty dollars. Now you got forty. It's the best return on your money. You guys got to do it. And you know, some people looked at it. It was it was too personal. It was like my boss is asking me to give money. Like this doesn't make sense. And then over the years, some of the people that did it, you know, a couple years go by, and then you're like, oh my god, I have like you know, $5,000 saved. And I'm yeah. like, dude, you can buy a house, yeah. you know? So every time it's kind of funny, but it's something I feel awesome about. Is I've watched so many of these people grow into buying ho- homes for themselves. And it's like, I just feel so happy that the restaurant has afforded that for people. It's freaking awesome. That makes me really happy. I bet it does. It's fantastic. Because being a homeowner, you know, when you're in your 20s or early yeah. 30s, it's like, it's a game changer. Yeah, it totally is. No, you don't have to move anymore. You can't yeah. get kicked out. You know, it's awesome. Well, you're helping people create a lot of stability in their lives with a, a, a job they can count on, you know, 401k and health, all these benefits. It creates a lot of stability, which people want, and that helps in turn create loyalty to you and it also creates people that have less stress in their lives which means what it means that right. when they take care of their exactly. guests they're not worried exactly. about like how the hell am i going to pay for my yeah or, damn it i, I you know, can't buy a house yet and, uh yeah this yeah. sucks and i'm pissed about this. so the more things you do it's this it's got these the byproducts you know wind up trickling down to better experiences for the guests um well okay so we're we're trying to figure out something right now Mm-hmm. Um, because we have, uh, 
We have 7,000. My mic is giving me a little hard time. Tight. There we go. Yeah. We have, ah, there it is. We have 7,000 restaurants, over 7,000. And uh, hold on a second. I may have to edit this part out because I, something's going on with my mic. Do you hear it cutting in and out? No. No, you don't. Okay. So only I am. Um, and we've got 300,000 end users. And we just recently went, wait a minute. Why can't we enable Get our customers <laughs> to have purchase power? Yes. Like, yeah. why can't we go out and feed? Now, the, the initial idea was, was that. It was it was uh, health care because I spoke to an owner a couple of weeks ago. It's like, man, I, I just can't afford it. Like, I just... Yeah. so expensive and i i'm struggling and i hope to be able to do it we're up in our third place and i hope that we're able to do it but yeah. i went well why couldn't we help like what what could we do and then then i realized very quickly or we realized it was like okay well healthcare if that's the nut you want to cry, try to crack first could take five years you know there's all this regulatory stuff and red tape and bureaucracy and different issues in each state so but having said that, we're on the case now. But then that led to this thought: What else could we do? Like, what else could we negotiate for our customers? Because we have yeah. this engaged audience of people yeah. that are—they're literally, particularly the staff. Like, they're—they're they're on the mobile site, you know, five yeah. times a day. Like, they're yeah. always on yeah. there. Yeah. We don't have to email people, and so we can literally yeah. just say, "Hey, did you know that you could get, you know, this good benefit?" Uh, because you're a part of schedule fly and maybe that's, God, you know, that one, one customer said, uh, I said, what if there was a schedule fly credit card, you know, that you could have that would, um, would enable you to consolidate some debt, you know, at a good rate or something like that. Or what if there was a way that you could, um, refinance your, um, uh, student loan debt at a better rate or what if there was a, uh, and then oh, he said, he said, ideas. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, Will, this was just last week. I, I haven't even put the podcast episode yet, um, and uh, but it was a guy up in Raleigh, and he's like, well, hey, how about this? A lot of my staff doesn't even have credit, and I try to get them to go out, and I'm like, hey, just get a credit card with like a $250 limit and start buying things on it and paying it off every month so you can establish a credit history because, of course, going into buying a house, the better yeah. credit you have. So what if we yeah. found a way to get them a, you know, Hey, you can get a Schedule Fly sponsored credit card for you know with a five hundred dollar monthly limit, or, or I mean a five hundred dollar yeah. limit, and you know, and uh, things like that that would be meaningful. Uh, I don't know, like y'all wear shoes, you know, you need a lot of shoes because you're on your feet all the dang time. Yeah. Like, well, what if Zappos yeah. gave a good deal on shoes? You know, like so. Yeah, anyway, we use that shoes for cruise. I wonder if you. Oh, what is that? If you reference them, you could probably get some discount that then all the restaurant staffs could get a shoes for cruise yeah check it out it's uh, safety shoes in you know a thousand and one different styles done there you go that's exactly yeah. what we want to do because i just feel like I, if we go to the right now we oh have my to God, that's a great idea yeah i think yeah. if we can uh vet these brands and curate a list yeah. and know restaurant that they will unite. yes like <laughs> These companies, we believe in the, what they're doing, yeah. and they're offering you this deal, and here you go, and there's nothing wow, else you, you need to do. But power. You have the power with all your members. Yeah, I feel Huge. like we could do something there. We really, you know, it, it's... That's uh awesome. Yeah, we're more into that. Like, we, that's what I was talking about earlier. It's like, we could keep adding uh, software and features, and yeah. but, you know, that's a... Uh, 
we don't really believe in that because again we're trying to like our goal with schedule fly really is it should do its job be reliable and get out of the way so you could focus on taking care of the business and the guests so we don't want to keep getting people bought in now most software companies they want to keep adding and tying these things together so they get people locked into these long-term contracts and all this stuff that's all pulled together and it's hard to get out that's not our objective our objective is to is to provide a a simple tool that gets out of the way and then we would much rather go work on something like you know schedule fly benefits than um you know, adding yeah. a bunch of, yeah, you know, that makes sense. software. So anyway, that's, yeah. that's kind of what we're hot on that right now. Um, we just start in the process. And in fact, we're going to put out a survey, I think here soon that, that you'll see on there that just ask people like, are you an owner or an employee and, uh, rank these, uh, do, do you have health insurance or not at work? And then outside of that, rank these benefits that, you know, you would like to see now, you know, I don't know if we can do this or not, but we're sure as hell going to try. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And get that data. Yeah, for sure. That's it's right. All, yeah. So well, schedule five for me has helped so much because of having, you know, just the two locations and at a glance, I can see, you know, first thing in the morning, I can see the schedule in a minute and then the messaging, I feel like the ability to to capture all those people in a text in yeah. two seconds is such a game changer. I can't even tell you, like, bow, bow down. Is that, <laughs> that has simplified so many steps between both businesses and management that it's just been... Um, it's helped us so much. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's like awesome. Meetings and reminders and quick attention to certain things that come up. Like just the other week, there was an issue in the parking lot where a lot of my staff parked and we needed to give everyone the heads up that for a few days they couldn't park there. And at first I thought, oh my God, how am I going to get that? How, you know, how am I going to get people to, you know, I'm going to put up these memos. And, and then in a second, I was like, oh, no, I'll just put it on the wall. <laughs> it's That's great. Awesome. That's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's great. Uh, well, thank you for saying that. We uh, That that kind of stuff really makes our day. Well, I That's, mean it. I really yeah. mean it because the ability to do it, and it's so easy, and it's never not worked. <laughs> well, there you never. go. That's Like, Never. Yeah, you know, it was funny, one of the best compliments, you basically just replicate it. We, we say one of the best compliments we ever had was a, an owner who said, uh, it's the one thing we use that we never have problems with. <laughs> we were like, yeah, you know, that's true. I have problems with bank websites. I have problems, like, that one thing, it's never not worked. Oh. And we've been on it for a while. Y'all been on it a long time, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh well, listen, I've taken a bunch of your time and I don't want to keep any keep any longer. Well, thanks. But thanks for talking though. Thanks for doing do you listen to podcasts, by the way? Yes, I have listened to them. I mean like any other Ever ones? since oh, um yeah, I listened to uh The Moth, the stories on the moth. Oh, I've heard um, those are good. Yeah, those are really good. Yeah. I always like people. I, I'm like, I listen to tons of podcasts. So I'm always curious. I get ideas from other people. What they yeah, because you're on the road a lot too, right? Decent amount, yeah. And then I'm yeah. like one of these people that 
like I get up really early in the morning and take my dogs for a walk and I'll just throw my headphones on and listen to a podcast oh, while cool. I'm walking or something like that. Cool. I'm, I'm like, I kind of have this ridiculously insatiable curiosity about lots of things. So awesome. I'm always cool. trying to learn like probably to a fault, but, uh, the, um, but yeah, you know, there's another restaurant podcast. I always like to mention this when I remember it's called restaurant unstoppable. Uh-huh. And okay. it's, a, it's a young man named Eric Cacciatore and he, uh, this guy's awesome. Like it, it is his business. Like th- this is something that we do as an investment for our business, but restaurant unstoppable is his business. And he literally oh, drives cool. around the country and he interviews restaurant owners and he Whoa. documents it all. And, uh, he's oh, cool. built a whole Check business on this thing. He used to live in his car and now I think he's, you know, wow. he's like a lot of times he'll get comped on hotels and stuff and really, but I admire his drive and his energy and his hard work and grit, like all those qualities that, you know, most, uh, business starters really go, yeah, I love seeing that. Every time somebody does stuff like that, you know, you go, cool. I'm with you. So anyway, check that one out. Cool. Restaurant. Okay. Well, yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Um, what's your dog's name? Louie. Lily. Lily. Louie. Oh, Louie. Louie the yeah. lab. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Is Louie a black yeah. lab? Yep. Oh, boy, those labs are What are dogs. your dogs? We uh, So we have a Springer Spaniel named Katie, um, and oh, cool. also known as Old Sweetie. And then we have uh, this little mutt named Elvis. He's also known as the Stinker. And they're both adopted. So Katie, we know a lot cool. about her, but she, like, we know her whole background. She's a wonderful dog and really sweet. And Elvis, we, oh, don't, cool. we don't know much about him. He's, he's, but he's, we love him. But uh, <laughs> I didn't want to have anything to do with getting him. And my wife and kids kept wanting to get another dog. I was like, no, we got our hand. No, 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 no. And, yeah. and we got him. I was like, oh, man, this dog. And he's barks every time, the, you know, all this stuff. I yeah. Now he's like my little buddy and he rides around with oh, me everywhere. Cool. <laughs> yeah, he's like my uh, little co-pilot. Cool. <laughs> so, cool. Yeah, it's fun. Well, hey, listen, Joanna, I, I really appreciate this okay. a ton. And uh, Thanks, well. Yeah, thank you. And if you, uh, by the way, uh, if you ever listen to anybody and you're like, hey, uh, that person, you know, that owner just said something that maybe I'm working on and I haven't figured out or or the reverse, like I hear that person's working on something and I did, you know, like whatever, 401k or health. Let me know. I'm happy. I always connect people. Um, we like to do okay, that. Cool. So we've done that okay. a few times and it's a neat way sometimes. So always happy to do that, you know. Uh, if you All do. right, cool. Yeah, for sure. All uh, right, well, thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, y'all. That's a wrap. Okay. Thanks for listening. More coming soon. See ya. Bye. Bye.